Holly G with the Golf Insiders as we turn to the Memorial Tournament at Jack's Place. Uh, always a pleasure to have one of our best, Gary Van Sickle from SI.com, otherwise known as the Golf Riding Tourist. Hello, Gary. Well, we just invented that term, so I'm not really known as that. I used to be known as Van Senegal or Senior Waiter because my business cards were drawing Sports Illustrated. So uh, I guess I got a variety of nicknames for you to choose from. Pick from the smorgasbord. Well, oh, only the best have nicknames. So big win in the playoff on Sunday at the Charles Schwab at the Colonial Sam Burns. Uh, drills in a 38-footer, pretty impressive. Uh, the guy comes off a two-hour wait in the clubhouse and uh, basically uh, waves goodbye to his best buddy, Scotty Scheffler, who was going for his uh, fifth win. Uh, fun fun uh, playoff there between two buddies. Who th at the start of this season, who thought going into the U.S. Open the number – well, they're not the, technically the number one and two golf, golfers in the world, but who thought the top two players in American golf were would be Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns? But they have set themselves apart by winning, and oh my gosh, I mean, they, Scheffler is a mile ahead of everybody on the rankings, and, and Burns has shot up there so fast. Uh, I mean, we knew they were good, but now we're seeing how good. So it's been... A little bit out of right field, although everybody knew they were good. So, I, I you know, it, like they arrived, as they say. You know, I was watching a documentary on the 86 New York Mets. And I brought Doc Gooden to camp as a 19-year-old, and he was blowing everybody away. And Davey Johnson, the manager, was telling the general manager, I got to have him. I got to have him opening gigs. The Mets wanted to send D Dwight Gooden back to the minors for more seasoning. And Davey Johnson's like, no, I got to have him. And they brought Doc Gooden in and. He blew everybody away, and that's what Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns were like the dot good enough the 2022 golf season. Yeah, and if you remember, uh, you know, when it came to the captain's pick for the Ryder Cup last year, uh, both of them were in the mix and, and on um, uh, Captain Stricker's radar, and Scotty got the pick, and everybody was kind of shrugging their shoulders, hadn't won yet. Hadn't won. Hear those words on tour. And uh, like you said, uh, number one and number two, they sit right now. Well, everybody's got to start winning sometime if they're going to be a star. And these guys, these guys have done it. You know, uh, when it comes to like a Ryder Cup team or a, a President's Cup team, you're looking at that thinking, well, Scheffler and Burns are in, and, you know, Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau probably are out. So, you know, it's different every it's different every year or two. Guys get hurt or just don't have a slow stretch, and they don't make a team. So it's not um, not that easy to, to keep doing that. You know, Phil Mickelson made it look easy for uh, – I lost track of how many years in a row he was on, but I think he was on any team from, what, what 93 to uh, – Probably the last before the last president's come. So that 25-year stretch is unheard of. Guys, there's a lot of guys who make one Ryder Cup team and you never hear of them again. Uh, Harold Varner III was a co-leader 
four putts from 19 feet and then doubles the par three to fall to tie for ninth. Gary, it reminds me of a famous quote of Seve Ballesteros after four putting at the players. Would you like to share that? Well, some some media guy said, uh, you know, what happened? He wanted Seve to go through each putt and describe them, and Seve wasn't going to do that. He'd just go, I miss, I miss, I miss, I make. And great quote. I still use it. Nobody knows where it's from unless you're 60 years old, but I still use it in conversation. So, hey, a guy, there isn't anybody in the PG Tour who hasn't four-putted in competition. Although I'm trying to remember if Tiger Woods ever did. I, I do recall, didn't Tiger put it off the green into the lake at La Costa in the Tournament of the Champions one year? Bill four-putted the 10th green at the players in one year. So everybody in golf is four-putted. It happens. It's never any fun if you're the guy doing it. Well, let's talk about the golf course because you're at one of the best. Muirfield Village, uh, you know, Jack's Place, as we like to call it. Um, obviously named after Muirfield Golf Links in Scotland. Recently went through a major renovation in 2021. Uh, share with my listeners a little bit about the golf course and uh, what's so special about Muirfield Village. Well, it's it's hard. Uh, we've said for years you could have a, a U.S. Open here anytime you wanted, and they've never done that. I'm almost surprised they haven't. You'd think Jack might just do that one year, but you know, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to stick a knife in his own tournament. He, he really couldn't have two tournaments that close together. Although I take that back. I mean, during the pandemic, they invented the Workday Classic and had that right before the. Memorial uh, right. two weeks in a row in the fall, so you could do that, but it, it would uh, it wouldn't be great. But it's a hilly course, a lot of trees, a lot of bunkers, a lot of big greens with a lot of movement on them. It's the kind of course where you watch it on TV, you're like, wow, you know, it's it's a little bit like Augusta National of Ohio. It's got the rolling hills and the streams and everything, and you watch it and you just think. I don't even know if I want to play here. It looks too hard. It's it's from the members' tees. It's it is more playable, but it's still hard. I mean, I've played her once or twice, and you just have uh, a lot of. It's not the greens aren't as dramatic as Augusta, but you, you never have a four foot putt that's straight in. I mean, almost never. So it's it's challenging place to score at. Great place to be a member if you want to play golf. I'm sure your handicap is going to go down. The practice facility would. I'd just take a membership to the practice facility. You know, I just hey, I'll just want to use the range. I'll never go on the golf course because it's a 360 range. They got chipping areas, bunkers. They got everything you want, other than uh, you know, bar service to each tee box on the on the range. But uh, if you called in, somebody would probably bring you something out even. So it's a great facility for golf, and that's what Jack's all about. He's all about the golf. Yeah, he sure is. Probably one of the most memorable and iconic shots was Tiger's chip in on the 16th, right, Gary, in 2012. Can't believe it's uh, been a. Yeah, I want to say it was 14. Oh, 14. Uh, you know, well, he's had a couple. Well, um, yeah. Oh, you on the par three? Yeah, he had one on the par three, and he had one on on 14 when he messed that hole up from behind the green. That was really impossible. He's yeah, he's had multiple here. Yeah, You're right. There was one on 16 also. Uh, I think. 
I that think was like, they were both iconic. Yeah, I think that it was the 14th when he was behind the hole and he had the you know he was facing the water directly behind the pin and Jack said yeah. it was the best shot he'd ever seen in his life. Well, look, if you're gonna say, hey, remember that iconic shot that Tiger Woods hit? You're gonna have to be more specific. That only narrows it down to about 87 shots that we've seen. You know, when Tiger was when we had Tiger meeting the first time, that's what was so fun because. Every tournament, he'd do something at least once during a week, if not once a day. He'd do something where you'd either say, that's impossible, or I've never seen that before. I mean, not not other guys, they never do that. He's every week, he, every week he was hitting a shot. You're like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, so Patrick Cantley is the defending champion. Uh Interestingly enough, with what's happened so far uh, this season, Patrick was the hot stick uh, at the end of last year, and it's sort of like, huh? Uh, what's happened to Patrick? Well, there were a lot of guys in that same boat. Rom hadn't been hurt from until a couple of weeks ago. Justin Thomas hadn't been hurt from. Rory hadn't been hurt from. We were just like somebody... Um, bunch of TV series ended and got replaced by new series. So, yeah, the Roy McElroy show looked like maybe it was over, and here's that Sam Burns comedy hour or whatever. It did I, you know, a little bit that way. Own story, but, you know, I, I, think it's, I think it's, you know, I don't know what Patrick's deal is exactly, but I think it's human nature when you have a, a phenomenal year to get a little complacent and... You know, maybe not work as hard in a certain part of your game or maybe not work out as I, – I, I you know, it's it's just human nature. That's the, way we're, that's the way we're wired. And I don't know if that's his case, but you, you see a lot. It's hard to sustain success in part because everybody out here hits a long ways and is a good good ball striker, but it so much hinges on putting now. And, and you're not, you don't win unless you putt really well or, or great. And if your putting's just off a little bit, you know, we've seen it with Jordan Spieth. He kind of vanished, and he came back here, started making some putts, and his putting went off again. You, you, you can't win and by not putting well anymore out here. So if that happens, if your putter gets off a little bit, uh, instead of winning, now you're struggling to make the top ten. And that's a, it's a fine line. I mean, winning in top ten is only three or four shots over four rounds. It's a shot a day. Yeah. That's all it takes to go from this guy's great to whatever happened to Patrick Cantley. Well, and, and it's not that big of a difference, but it's it's one shot a day. Well, and he also is uh, the FedEx, the reigning FedEx Cup champion. Which uh, let's not forget, uh, you get a pretty hefty payday there, which can give you a lot of comfort and security for the rest of your career. You know, Easinger changed those Ryder Cup points standings that one year. He went from being top ten finishes to money one because he said his point was everybody chokes for money. That's what it's all about. I mean, trophies too, but money is what makes guys choke. Tell that there's story. There's a lot to that, and, and it probably makes people take the foot off the gas a little bit when you get enough of it. Well, you, you have a great story on SI.com today about Jack's uh, press conference yesterday, uh, Tuesdays with Jack. Great, great story. And he told a great story about his one and only bet. Speaking of playing for the dough, Gary, 
Share, share that story. I thought it was really great. Well, it, it, the punchline was something I'd never heard Jack say in, in 30, 40 years. But, yeah, Jack was an amateur playing in the 1960 U.S. Open. You know, he wound up doing, wound up doing really well. He should have won it. Was he and, uh, and Hogan was actually in the mix and, and Palmer. But uh, before the tournament, his dad, uh, Charlie, uh, his dad names Charlie. Yeah, he's a druggist, but he tells Jack, it's like, hey, uh, Jack, you're, you're 35 to 1 to, to win the Open. And uh, you want some of that. And Jack, this is June, Jack is getting married to Barbara in the next month. And Jack goes, yeah, I'll take, I'll take $20 of that. And $20 then was a pretty... $20 bill was a big deal in 1960. And his dad goes, well, you, you want you know, win, place, or show? And Jack says, I didn't come here to place or show. So he, dad got him a $20 bet. I don't know with whom. $20 to, to win uh, at 35 to 1. So Jack said, so there I am on Sunday. I'm coming down the stretch with a chance to win, and I'm thinking about the $700 that we could use to, you know, start our family and, you know, whatever. And he goes, needless to say, I didn't win. I didn't get the $700. And he said, that was the first and only bet on golf I have ever made. It's a great $20 was a lot. You know, it reminds me of, and I, I'm sure I've told you this quote before, but Alex Trebek, the late host of Jeopardy, somebody asked him if he gambled. And he had said no, and they asked why not. And he said, well... Winning $100 doesn't make me happy, but losing $100 really pisses me off. And I think a lot of us are like that, you know. If the money, the win doesn't mean as much as losing does. Yeah, so that's all what Jack was. So he says he's never really bet on sports since then. It was a very revealing story that Bones Mackay told after the PGA Championship about Justin Thomas uh, in a pro-am they played earlier in the year, and, and one of the guys, you know, was saying, you know, that, of course, he plays in a lot of these things, obviously, the uh, uh, wealthy, successful guys, says, you know, I know guys that like to collect cars or like to collect, you know, wines or, you know, art. What, what, what are you into, Justin? And he just said, I want to collect wins. And I thought that yeah. was really telling. He's a no-nonsense guy, you know, and I, I mentioned this in that story also, but Jack comes in to have his annual conference with the media, and it's always like, yeah, Jack, give us some comments, and all he talks about at first, he talks about how the greens are, what kind of shape the course is in, all this, it's all agronomy and this and that, because that's the important part to him. The golf is the important part to him, not the TV, not any of the extraneous, not how much money, they're, how many tickets they sold. He's a tournament host. He has all these things going on. He cares about the golf course because if you've got a good golf course, you'll have a good tournament as far as he's concerned. And, and that's, that's – he's all about golf. You know, Ernie was – he liked to play every day. and Jack never played every day. Ernie was out in the daily game at Bay Hill. Uh, in the money game on Friday afternoon, or the one o'clock game, I think it was called every day, or how many days? I mean, Arnie would play golf every day, and Jack was Jack was Jack was more into winning, and Arnie was into playing. But uh, they both got results their own way. So yeah, it's funny. Everybody's everybody's got their own uh, their own motivation, but the guys who are the best players, like Rory, is now, I and mean, he's 
he's playing to win a trophy and he's because he's got enough money well yeah. dustin johnson has committed to the inaugural liv golf tournament the 25 million dollar no cut event in london next week now uh we'll have 16 of the world's top 100 i'd say that's a a stretch to make it sound big and important. 48 players, $4 million to, to the winner. I guess DJ's um, rolling uh, the dice that he's got pretty good odds there. Well, I, I don't think we know the details yet, but the speculation is that DJ got a, an absurd amount of upfront, upfront money, like an appearance fee, to, to do this, to be the guy to, to take the heat and carry the banner. So, I mean, how do you, can, you know, what kind of money would it take to get his attention or something like that? I mean, he's won a FedEx Cup for $10 million at the time. Um, he's won a Masters. You know, the rumor was that Phil was being offered $230 million to, you know, be the point man and recruit guys. We're talking $230 million. Even if it was $130 million, you know, how do you turn that down? So uh, I don't think Dustin's looking at it as like, oh, I can go beat these guys senseless and make money that way. I think he might have gotten 50 or $100 million. You remember the rumors that DeChambeau was offered $100 million to, to join this tour a year ago? And he kind of, uh, uh, what's the word? I mean, he didn't exactly say it didn't happen, but he, he worded it so he made it sound like, he, you know, that wasn't the, he said that wasn't the offer, so but he was reportedly offered six figures or nine figures, I guess, to, to join that tour. So Dustin Johnson might have got a hundred million dollars just to show up. Maybe you know, no matter how much money you have, how do you say no to a hundred million dollars when you're only going to have to play eight events? Okay, you know, maybe you may never get back on the PGA tour. I don't know. You know, if you're a European player and you're in your 40s, if you're Patrick Harrington or somebody like that, dude, Lee Westwood, do you care if you ever play in the PGA Tour again? Probably not. Not if you're going to get this kind of money. You don't have to beat uh, as deep a field, and you only got 47 other guys you have to beat. And on the other end, the guys who are really going to take advantage of this are uh, U.S. Amateur Champion James Piott. Um, who was the uh, guy, Pewitt? Pug, uh, David, from Spain. Yeah, he's he's playing the NCAA tournament right now, and there's one or two other guys uh, who, who are the amateurs. They have no, or, or guys who don't have any tour. They're not on a tour right now. They don't have status. They got into this field, and if you're James Piot, you're like, well, who knows if he's ever. You know, there's no path for him to the PGA. If he plays eight events at 120 and finishes dead last every time. He just made 960000 if I remember my multiplication table, 8 times 12 is 96. Okay, if he does anything at all, he's making it, he's just got a million-dollar-a-year job. And on PJ Tour, he can't get on. He can't get on it. You know, all the other guys, you can get, you know, he could probably get seven sponsor exemptions, and he actually may have already taken all of them. But, you know, there's only been a handful of guys who ever got seven starts on sponsor exemptions, and, and got on the tour. I think Charles Howell and Justin Leonard maybe or two I can think of, but I just doesn't happen. So this kind of shows that, you know, there's a, I'm going to say a flaw in the PGA Tour, but you can see where the LIV Tour might be able to recruit a lot of these college stars to come up and play right away, and maybe they'll never even set foot on the PGA Tour. 
maybe they'll just go do this and that's while they're have their career. All this is based on the assumption that you are okay that this money is coming from a Saudi regime that has uh, murdered a lot of people, including some ju- journalists. And, you know, I mean, in May and uh, March, they, they executed 81 men, who mostly who were of the other religious sect over there that's out of favor. So, so uh, you know, the tour has uh, put its foot down on, you know, getting releases. What, what do you think's next? Well, if I make a million dollars a year on this LIV tour, what do I need releases for? If I can, I make, you know, I mean, if they go to 12 or 14 or 18 events next year, and last place money is still 120 grand, and I'm in 10 or 12 of them, what do I need to play? I don't have a use for the PT tour. Well, the plot thickens, and we will see uh, what happens. The PT tour is going to wreck, no question about it, but. Uh, these players have more leverage, as Phil Mickelson has said. And speaking of which, uh, I believe the door is still open for Phil to play next week? They've got one spot in reserve. They've got five spots going to the qualifiers from an Asian Tour event being held in London. The top five guys, and there's people like Graham McDowell and... uh, Oh, I'm drawing a blank. Several other top players are in that trying to get in this field. But that leaves one spot left for somebody who is not already committed, like Phil or Adam Scott. Um, well, word, word has Jason it. Jason Kokrak, uh, me. I mean, you know, could be for it. We don't know. Word, word has it that Phil's grown a beard, so maybe nobody will recognize him. Well, <laughs> he might as well show up and play because... He's kind of a man without a country on the PGA Tour. So go there and play. Get you, you know, go, go live your dream. This is, you wanted this, go play in it. Well, on a sad note, um, Bart Bryant uh, killed in a car accident yesterday, Gary. I was really uh, saddened to see this story. He was 59, and he won the memorial in, was it uh, 2005? Hey, you know, Bart was kind of a late bloomer. Ended up yeah, uh, he was. also with a tour championship. Yeah, he was a good, good ball striker. Putting wasn't his specialty, but he hit it so well that he couldn't help but win now and then. Really nice guy. It's just a reminder, you, you see these athletes on TV and whatever the sport, and you tend to forget that they're, they're real people like us, and they have to drive their car or get on planes or go to the grocery store and, they're at risk of having any kind of an accident or injury just like we are. And you're going, how can this happen? Well, people people have accidents all the time. That's just not celebrities happen. So, yeah, it's it's a terrible thing when anybody happens to anybody. And uh, you certainly, certainly, uh, I don't, I don't know anybody didn't like Barb Bryant. He was, he was a good guy. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to have you throw the dart and uh, pick your pick your winner uh, on Sunday. Well, how do you not, you got to pick John Rahm, don't you? I hate to pick Chuck, but jeez. Gotta Ooh, go with John Rahm. You're going John Rahm. Yeah. I mean, Fabiabi should have won here last year. He kind of lapped it off. He got COVID. Went won the Open, but I think he's had enough of watching Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns, and he loves this golf course, so 
be hard not to bet on him. All right, my friend. Thank you so much for uh, giving us all your insights today. And uh, we'll be uh, tuning in as they tee it up tomorrow at Muirfield Village at Jack's Place. Thanks so much.